Welcome to Percolating Perspective, the podcast that explores the many flavors of American culture, all while sipping on a hot cup of coffee. I'm your host, Gordon Michael Porter. We are going to take you through a journey through the diverse and ever-evolving landscape of American society, from the bustling streets of New York City to the laid-back vibes of California. We delve into the people, places, and ideas that make up this great country. Each episode, we sit down with you to discuss the uh, the art, the American idea, the culture. That is what we're here to discuss. We tackle everything from food, fashion, politics, social issues, all with a fresh perspective and a steaming cup of coffee in hand. Grab your favorite mug and let's get started on today's episode where we discuss a little bit of America's music. Before we get started on today's music, I want to hit the drip of the day. Today is nothing fancy. I literally went through the Dunkin' Donuts line on the way to the studio and just got a black cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And oh, oh you just can't beat it. I mean, again, it's nothing special. Like there's no special flavors. There's nothing particularly exciting about it, but it's just a good cup of coffee. It's like McDonald's. You know what you're going to get every single time. And what you're going to get every single time is a really good cup of coffee. It smells good. It tastes good. It warms you up inside and it gets you moving. Again, not, uh, not exactly an exciting cup of coffee but a well-deserved cup of coffee. All right, I'm going to edit that part out. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, with all that aside, again, it's a very simple drip of the day today, but nonetheless, a good trip of the day. I hope you feel that way, because I certainly do. Dunkin' Donuts is just good. I'm going to give you a challenge. If you can go back through all of the drips of the day, through every episode, and count up how many times I say it's just good. I I don't know what, we're going to have to get you some merch or something. I mean, it's got to be a lot. It's got to be at least 50 out of the past 25 podcasts, including this one, because I just said it again a minute ago. All right, let's talk a little bit about American music and where it came from, what it looks like now, and everything in between. Um, So early, early, early on, we have Thomas Edison basically bringing what we would call the phonograph, which was the first ever device to record the human voice and to produce, or not produce it, but to copy it. And of course, it, it took about five seconds for people to realize, hey, we can record music with this thing. And lo and behold, that is exactly what happened. We started recording music with it, started recording some of the best singing voices around with it, and mass producing that sound. Um, Later on through culture, we get into various different styles and types. We go, you know, through the jazz era, through the, you know, the 1920s itself has a distinct sound to it. Uh, Through the 40s, you get into the 50s with rock and roll and, and country music starts coming on the scene in the late 40s, early 50s as well. 
and you know, you know, folk music has been come, you know, that's that's older than you know the recording itself. Um, so you know, we're gonna kind of dig into this a little bit, not too in depth. The biggest thing I want to point out to you though is where we're at now, and we're gonna discuss that a little bit at length. Uh, but if you go back and listen to you know music from the 20s and the 30s, it's pretty laid back. Something that really characterizes music from back in the that era, the 20s and 30s, the early 20th century, is strings. And you have big bands, you have brass instruments, you have you know a a orchestra essentially accompanying a singer, a single singer, sometimes a quartet or a duet, but almost without fail, or it almost always is a single singer. You know, you have people all the way from. Uh, you know, Tony Bennett, who was discovered by Bob Hope back in World War II, who, by the way, is still alive, and just, I think, a year ago, uh, cut a single with Lady Gaga, which is just incredible. He's, I think, 90 or 91, maybe. He might be as much as 93. But anyway, people like Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra later on uh, in the really, really hitting the height of his fame in the 50s and 60s, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr. At the same time, you've also got people like Hank Williams, uh, Freddie Fender, Willie Nelson, Johnny Paycheck, all of these guys are kind of going along at the same time and really shaping the the American sound uh, in two different worlds, uh, two different they're the same industry but two completely different genres, um, and then you know at the same time more closer to the uh, the sixties mid sixties late sixties you have really the rock and roll movement uh, starts to get a foothold you know we really start seeing that come on the scene in the fifties but it really doesn't you know take off as uh, what we now know as rock and roll. Back then, they would have called that something like rockabilly or something like that. But later on in the 60s, you start to get, you know, the Ario Speedwagons, the Aerosmiths, uh, the Beatles, the Beatles. So you get a lot of these things going on at the same time, uh, which, you know, the Beatles is not an American band, but, you know, it had a enormous impact on the American culture. And in fact, a great book, um, that you can read on that is Killing the Culture by Bill O'Reilly, uh, where he just dissects um, all of these bands and phenomenon like Elvis Presley, The Beatles, um, you know, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think. There was a, a couple other bands in that book. I can't remember who it was, but uh, he goes through how those bands, while they in large part shaped American culture, he analyzes and considers if those bands and if those groups actually did damage to the American society or if they did not. That's an interesting take. Um, I think it's something to, to think about. I don't know whether or not I agree 100% with that. I think it's certainly possible and certainly worth looking into. I think it might have killed the American ideal. Um, not so much the American culture in the sense of we as Americans did not start coming apart along our community seams uh, until several decades later, but I do think it's possible that what we knew as a free and clean and moral society started to degrade around that time. Now, whether that was a result of the music or whether that was a result of just society in general, 
um, that that is kind of what that book goes into and kind of discusses and talks about. So uh, let's take a look at that, Killing the Culture by Bill O'Reilly. That talks a lot about it. But um, you go back to the really the teens and the 20s, you have people like Al Jolson, Irving Berlin, who really started to shape American music as it stands. Before that, we had, you know, composers and things like that, but we didn't have a true, uh, um, you know, music did not have an American identity where it does now. And that really started to come about in the teens and 20s with Al Jolson. I think it really is uh, probably the man that really uh, put a label on American music, uh, coupled with a man named Eddie Cantor. Now, full disclosure, if you go listen to these guys, I like listening to them just from a nostalgia point. But it will get on your nerves. It's a very high-pitched, whiny, kind of excited <laughs> uh, sound. But, it, you know, again, it's I love listening to it just from a, a nostalgia standpoint, a historical standpoint. However, it's not exactly something that I'm going to, you know, have on my playlist for exercising. And really, really and truthfully, the reason for that is I don't exercise. Um, talk about American culture. I think I fit in pretty well there. Um, moving kind of forward, though, and getting into the diversity that we talked about a few minutes ago, you start to see music intertwine itself with you know movies and, and video. And we really see that start, starting to take place with none other than the beautiful Judy Garland with Wizard of Oz in 1939, where you have, you know, movies that have been, up to this point, for the vast majority of them have been silent films. Um, not so much in the 30s, I will say, though. Around 1932, 33, we started getting some uh, great movies, like, you know, that were featuring Cary Grant, John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, some really great movies that were not silent movies, not silent comedies or anything like that, but really didn't feature a whole lot of music, other than maybe some, some pre-recorded background string music that was, you know, kind of canned. But along comes 1939, The Wizard of Oz with the beautiful voice of Judy Garland, and this is not canned music. This music is, you know, somewhere over the rainbow, If I Only Had a Heart, all of these, this is the first musical that ever really took America by storm and affected the culture was The Wizard of Oz. And, you know, not only did it affect the culture, but, I mean, you're still seeing the effects of the culture, um, you know, by way of music long after that. Uh, the music, the score of that show, that movie, is, I don't know how many times the score of that of that movie has been re mastered or re-recorded by different artists. In fact, one of the most uh, well-known renditions um, of Somewhere Over the Rainbow is a Hawaiian man by the name of Iz, that's his nickname, uh, but plays it plays that song on a ukulele and sings it. Um, and unfortunately, he died not too long after recording that. I think he was only 32 years old when he died. But uh, point being is that was almost 100 years later, uh, 75 years later, I think it was, that that song from that movie um, ha hit culture again and had an enormous impact on the culture again. Uh, so, you know, that that 
type of music, the big band, the jazz that that came into the movies back in 1939. We're still seeing that in our culture now, although not in a it's all reviving the dead. It's not giving birth to new. And then you fast forward up into the 1950s where you have Elvis Presley, um, you have Buddy Holly and the Crickets, you have um, you know a lot of these old rock and roll guys, the Penguins. Um, a lot of interesting changes happen to the American culture. And we go from the 30s and the 40s, which was a very... Um, moral time, almost one could argue pious time, although I don't think it's that. I think this was, you know, right around the end of the Great Depression. So people started to really get a grasp of what was important in life because money, uh, we just had a rude awakening and realized that money was not all that important because you can survive without money. In fact, whenever the economy explodes and falls apart, for, you know, think about this for a second. The Great Depression lasted 16 years. And to put that into percolating perspective, 16 years ago would have been, what is that, 2005? Is that right? That's 18 years ago. So let's see, 2007, 2008, 2009. So we're talking 2009 to now is how long the Great Depression lasted. That's incredible. That's an incredible thing to think about. The Great Depression, of course, something like that has an impact on music and an impact on culture in general. You know, that's an, 16 years is an incredible, that's, that is, you know, best, you know, or uh, I would say that long case scenario, two presidents, uh, short case scenario, four presidents, if you take into consideration four-year cycles. That's an incredible length of time to be in an economic depression that is, of course, going to have an enormous impact on the culture. And so you see that reflected in the music where you have, you know, Bing Crosby, all the songs are very uplifting songs. No, they're not the 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 dreadful uh, depressed songs about, you know, people, you know, cheating and leaving and, you know, all, all this madness that's going on now. Back then you have, you know, blue skies, blue skies staring at me. You know, it's all happy, upbeat songs that are meant to get people out of a depression and a literal, literally get them out of, the, out of the depression. You have people like Doris Day at this point with, you know, Pillow Talk and, um, you know, Sentimental Journey. Yes, there were, there were some downtrodden songs, we might call them, that were specifically pointed to the soldiers and, and the guys overseas back in World War II, but they were all uh, more about missing home and more about missing uh, your girlfriend or your wife. And, you know, nowadays we spend more time singing about uh, not having a girlfriend or not having a wife. And if you have one that you're, you know, you're an idiot, um, you know, it's just a radical change in the culture that is presented to us through music. Um, and I will say, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, culture is absolutely, uh, you know, upstream of politics and meaning, you know, culture directs Culture, or I'm sorry, culture directs politics. It, it directs the the mood of the country, and I think that you know what we're seeing right now um, is a direct reflection on what the the political class, the elite class, the ruling class would like for American culture to look like 
And, you know, you might be asking, well, Gordon, what does that look like? What are, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Here's what I mean. Um, over the past 100 years, and we'll call it 80 years prior to the past 20, you had distinct genres. You had distinct distinctly American-sounding music. Again, country and Western, you had jazz, you had rock and roll, all these that, you know, rock and roll wasn't so much distinctly American, but, you know, um, we'll just, for the sake of argument, we'll specifically talk about country and Western and jazz. I think those two uh, are the most American of the of the genres. And, and let me just pause here to say, you know, uh, rap is not is not the great African-American art form. Is not. It is jazz. You go listen to Count Bassie. You go listen to Oscar Peterson. Some of these guys, uh, you know, back in the really as late as the 80s, but in the specifically between the 40s and the 70s, you talk about, you know, absolutely mastering music, knowing music, knowing the piano, with, I mean, you know, could play the piano forward and back without even thinking in it. Ray Charles, uh, you know, uh, all these guys that were able to, they understood music. They understood theory. They understood the math behind it. It was intelligent, and the lyrics meant something. And now, you know, the, the argument is that rap is this great American art form, and it 100% is not, and there's a distinct reason why we are being told it is. And, and that point is what I'm getting to, I was getting to just a, just a few seconds ago. If you look at all the American music we have right now, all of the genres that we uh, have, and just to name off a few, again, country and western is still, uh, at least in name only, at present. Uh, we have uh, jazz in some form or fashion is still alive, although it's been relatively choked out uh, by the large record labels and is a, really kind of a byword and a footnote in, in American history. But if you look at all the genres that we have right now, there is no distinct difference from our music to any else, any other music in the world when it comes to pop culture. And there's a distinct reason for that, and that is American culture, the American identity, the American exceptionalism, the individuality that America has enjoyed for centuries is purposely being eroded right now. It is purposely things like music that directly impact the culture and tune the culture, no pun intended. Those things are not being removed and taken away. They are being whitewashed and they are being flattened and they are being turned to grays instead of blues and yellows and reds and greens. They are turned into uh, different shades of black and different shades of white. There is no flair anymore. Everything is cookie cutter. Everything is exactly the same. And that is exactly what they want culture and they want our society to look like. They want everybody to be exactly the same and look the same, think the same, dress the same, listen to the same music. Why is that? It is much easier to control and it's much easier to control groupthink if everybody thinks the same way. And I know this might sound a bit overboard and it might sound like a, a, a bit of a conspiracy theory. I don't believe, believe it is. People know, you know just as well as I do, and so do the elites, and so do the people uh, that are, you know, in charge of governing the world right now. They know well, know just as well as you and I do that music 
it, it grabs the heart of people. And if you control music and if you, and if you uh, leech music of everything that is individual and unique about life, if you drain that and you drench it out of the, of the lifeblood that it once had, you will take culture, take the culture, you will take society, and you will squeeze the blood out of it until there's nothing left. And that is what's happening. Jazz and, and big band music, if, it's not even about the type of music. Think lyrically with me for a second. Think about, you know, Blue Skies that, you know, Bing Crosby sang. Think about what Bing Crosby did with music. He directly not only was involved in many movies that we still watch today, including you know, White Christmas, the movie by the name of Blue Skies. We also had Holiday Inn. All of, I'd say 90% of his songs were either love songs or they were ballads about the United States and her founders. There's a song called Abraham in which he talks about Abraham Lincoln and the things that he did. There's a song about President's Day. There's a song about, uh, you know, God Bless America that was written by Irving Berlin. Uh, there's one called uh, You're a Lucky Fellow, Mr. Smith. That was Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra, specifically talking about how lucky somebody would be to be an American citizen and how incredibly lucky we are to live in a country like America and how much we take it for granted. Listen to that song. You're a lucky fellow, Mr. Smith. You can find it on Apple Music, YouTube. I encourage you to do that and really listen to what you know, we once thought of as, you know, what we expected from American culture and American music. You know, another thing that to really consider is, you know, um, what the market demands. And, you know, it used to be that every artist that was worth its salt, whether that was, you know, Dean Martin or even Frank Sinatra, you know, uh, Bing Crosby, Tennessee Ernie Ford, all of these big names, whether or not they were Christian and believed in Christianity, there was an almost a market obligation to produce a gospel album. All these big names all knew the market was Christian, and they all knew that the market, uh, they knew who their audience was, and their audience was Christians, and their audience, meaning America, was steeped in Christianity. And, you know, that's something that is being leached out of our music now is, is you know, traditional values. Music now is about divorce. It's about cocaine. It's about drugs. It's about uh, abuse. It's about all these things and not in a negative light. And, and you know, I, I, part of me wants to say I encourage you to go look up some of the, you know, just a random rap artist's lyrics. The other part of me thinks that you might get arrested with something horrible on your phone in your search results if you do. It, you know, and that's what I mean by, you know, rap being the great American art form. Uh, if music truly does guide the culture, rap music is certainly not the direction we need to be going. The culture, you know, the culture has rot in it, and it it is to the beat of a inner city album, you know, and you know, and that's just the plain and simple truth of it. There is, you know, there might be some weird rap album that has some streak of morality in it. Uh, and by weird, I mean, like, I don't know if you've had the um, awkwardness to listen to Kanye West's quote-unquote Christian album. It's pretty weird. 
um, a little um, unsettling in some places, and it's not at all his best work. And that's kind of my point. Um, you know, there is certain music that lends itself to be worth listening to, whether that's genre or lyrics. And, you know, and Kanye West's album, the lyrics are pretty weird and the music is not that great. You know, it's I wouldn't really consider it rap. It's not rap. And Kanye West never really was rap. I mean, there was elements of rap in the music. But Kanye West was more of a pop guy from the very beginning. But, um you know, uh, my overarching point here, though, is music directly affects the culture. Music grabs the heart of the culture and leads it. And right now, what we are seeing is music all across the board in every genre. Uh, genre, excuse me, um, is is being leached of any sort of virtue. And if you go listen to the latest country song, country, you can't even really call it country western anymore. There's no western element to it anymore. But um, if you go listen to the latest country song, and then you go listen to the latest pop song, and you go let it listen to the latest rock song, there's vir- they're virtually indistinguishable, lyrics or otherwise. Why is that? Well, you have to go to the source and you say, okay, well, where's the money? Uh, or you know, how? Where are these albums coming from? Where's the money where these albums are coming from? Well, they're coming from big record labels, RCA, Sony, all these big, you know, Capital City Records, all these big companies uh, that are paying uh, for music to be produced. You know, something, I don't know if you've noticed it or not lately, but big companies have a tendency to get in bed with the government. And big business lately has a tendency to, uh, you know, might be a little bit on the woke side and a little bit on the left side. And if you think that just because you're listening to a country and Western album, you think that the people who are producing that are conservative, red-blooded Americans like yourself, you are wrong. You are dead wrong. And I hate that, you know, and it's a sad thing. I was raised on country and Western music. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is in being raised on it, you just automatically assume that everybody in the business is, uh, you know, uh, American freedom-loving people, and they're just not. They're not. And, you know, the, res- or the, the result of that, or rather the implications of that, are um, we are now getting music that has been completely... Uh, drained of the lifeblood, and it's intentional. And, and I know I'm, you know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Music has such an impact on the individual person. It has an impact on the culture. And if you take that away, if you change it, and if you make it uh, like unsalted potatoes you're going to get a culture that is like unsalted potatoes. And that's exactly what we have right now is a culture that is bland and it's ugly. Um, You see that in our movies, you know, the movies that we see right now. I can't tell you the last original thought that Hollywood had. I swear to you, if I see another Batman reboot, I am going to chuck. You know, uh, 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 creativity in America is all but gone. And I think the reason for that is because music is dead. And it's not that music itself is dead, it's that the companies that get music to your door and get music to your earbuds are specifically selecting music that is just trash. It's garbage. It's it's worthless. It's fodder. You know, it, you know, I it, Ed Sheeran 
is not his, which he's not an American anyway, which explains a lot of it. But his music, if if in a hundred years from now, if I am you know uh, privileged to still be alive at 128 years old. If I'm privileged enough to be alive, I promise you that Ed Sheeran's music is not going to be remembered by anybody. It's awful. It's it's potato. It's unsalted potatoes, is what it is. And I know this is opinion, but you know I think it's a good opinion. Otherwise, I wouldn't be saying it. But I mean, but it's not so much that Ed Sheeran is bad. It's that now every artist on the radio and on in you know Apple Music and Spotify, every artist that comes on the scene now sounds exactly like Ed Sheeran. And it's and it's you know it, it, lyrically, it also there is no variety anymore because culture is not what the market is demanding, or at least the artificial market, the propped up market by the big uh, record labels. The big record labels don't want variety, and they don't want um, they don't want nuance. They don't want uh, creativity. They want unsalted potatoes. They want something that they know is going to sell with zero risk. And you know that's it, unfortunate, but you know, and how they do that is, you know, it's it's all visual. You know, that's we're in a very visual society right now. So, you know, if you're covered in tattoos and have half of your head buzzed, and you're wearing black, and your jeans got holes in them, and you're wearing, you know, Chuck Taylors that look like they've been through, uh, you know, my mother's garbage disposal, then you're in, you're good. And, you know, that that's fine. That's what they need. That's what they want. That's what it might not sell 100 billion records, but it'll sell it'll sell a million. And, you know, that's money in their pocket with zero risk. And, you know, forgive me for, you know, I know this podcast is a little bit of a rant, but and the reason it is culture or uh, rather music is about 85 percent of my life, possibly 90 percent of my life. Um, I was raised on it. My father was raised on it. My brother was raised on it. My grandfather was raised on it. We're a very musical family, and you know, music means a lot to me. And music means a lot to America. And America really is defined in many ways by music. And you know, I think in many ways there's several genres that are that are explicitly American. You know, whenever you have uh, artists like um, you know. I don't know, Brooks and Dunn or uh, all the way to um, even Frank Sinatra back in the day, when they go to the Netherlands, guess what language they're not singing in? Dutch. They're singing in English. And the reason is all these cultures love American music. Why? Because it sounds like you know, a bunch of people hitting their wooden shoes together? No, because it's distinctly American. It's creative. It's wonderful. It's 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 exceptional. And as we continue down this road, I think it's important to remember that you know the a discussion we've had several several times on this podcast is the way all this changes is you getting involved in the culture, you getting involved in music. You getting involved in movies, you getting involved in politics. The only way this thing changes is if people who truly are creative take the market by storm. It's called a disruption. It's a disruptor society that we live in right now, which is a good thing for us. 
because that makes it a lot easier to disrupt the industry and to get in there. And I know that's a much, much, much easier said than done. But it's time for us to be creative, and it's time to share our creativity with each other. Creativity is something that binds human beings together as people, but also as, you know, as friends and as individual little communities. Creativity is what binds us together in many ways. You know, you go to a farmer's market or, a, you know, a street market or street fair or something like that, what really piques most people's interests is not the prepackaged stuff. It's the handmade. It's the homemade. It's the stuff that took craftsmanship and time and effort and thought and and heart. You know, artificial intelligence will never be never be able to replace something like that because it's not human. And, and to that point, I think that's where we're getting to uh, a lot of our music is not that it's artificial intelligence, but that it's not human anymore. It's not creative anymore. It's, it's squeezed out of a tube like a McDonald's hamburger. And again, this is a rant, and this episode is, is a rant, and I recognize that, but the reason I'm ranting is to encourage you to to take inventory of what we have right now. Take inventory of the lyrics. Take inventory of the music. Take inventory of what the culture is producing. It's not producing anything good. It's not producing anything, you know, and it might not be that what it's producing is not necessarily bad, like, you know, the majority of rap music is. It's just wholly not good. It's not palatable. It might be, you know, palatable compared to other things in the culture, but you look at, you know, people like Frank Sinatra, who, you know, um, he was described by Don Rickles, who is one of the greatest comedians who ever lived, and one of my comedic heroes, Don Rickles, Mr. Warmth, he would talk about, in fact, he actually talked about this on a TV show called Comedians in Cars Getting Co- Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, and he was talking about his time with Sinatra in Las Vegas and his friendship and relationship with Sinatra, and he said, you know, and we're talking about Don Rickles here, he's no slouch when it comes to publicity or public appeal. He would say, you know, they'd be out at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning performing in Las Vegas, and they would leave and they'd go to a, you know, an all-night diner to get something to eat. And he said that when Frank walked in, the room stopped. And the reason is people resonated with him and his music. They loved him. He was larger than life. He was surreal, and his ability was surreal. Uh, you know, he is – his voice – is incredible, and it's you know even going back and listening to old recordings, it's shocking how good he was. And while that might be the case today with musicians and artists now, that's not showcased. It's in, it's in fact it's discouraged to showcase that. What's encouraged is you follow this pattern: A plus B equals money, and that's not American. And I, I can back that up, that up with some facts, actually. Uh, and and uh, just this past week, the uh, Washington Post released a survey of what Americans believe is important to American culture. And in that survey, the number one thing was no longer Christianity. It was no longer 
patriotism. And in fact, it was something like, I, I believe it was in 1999, 75% of the American people believed that patriotism was important to American culture. 75% believed that. This year, I'm sorry, actually, let me back up a little bit. 2019, that slipped, not a ton, but it slipped to 61% by 2019. So in 10 years, we went from 73% down to nine, uh, uh, 61%. So a, a definite slide, but nothing, you know, that's to be expected just given the climate. Four years later today, that is down to 30-something percent. I think it was 32%. In four years Patriotism has slidden down the rail. But across all metrics, the one thing that all Americans unanimously believe is important and is, and is integral to being an American is money. Ladies and gentlemen, that is terrifying. America never has been about money. America never has been a place that sustains itself because it believes in money as its God. But we're there, it seems, unless I hope and pray that that, that, um, that um, survey was wrong. And, you know, I don't know necessarily what the study group size was, and it could be something like that. But the point being, there is a radical slide downhill in things that matter and there's a shocking uptick in the things that wholly do not matter. And I think there's a case to be made that our music has maybe not led the charge in that, but has held the coats while American culture has been stoned. And I don't mean stoned like Willie Nelson. I mean like killed by rocks. America, I think it's time we do some soul searching. I think it's time that we look inward and really, really, really think about what we want our country to look like moving forward. And if we want our moral, God-fearing society back, we need to really, really, really understand that music is critical in that the market and the people do not, uh, or, or rather, the, the market and the government do not dictate creativity. Rather, it's the opposite. And that's why it's so important to the ruling class to eliminate creativity, just as the Nazis did back in the 1930s and 40s. America, I love you. Everything about you. I think you're sick now. You're ill but I do think that you still have a bright, big, beautiful tomorrow. I will never, ever give up on America, the land that I love. I will stand beside her, and I will guide her. And I will lean on Almighty God to do so with a light from above. Until next week, think about your music. Think about what you choose to listen to and maybe change your tune a little bit. America, I love you. God bless. Take care.